This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in normally the Ward of Man Cave, but today we're in Spurrier's podcast studio here. And it's a wonderful place to have a great meeting with a great lady here who's come to our community to help us with Dance Alive National Ballet and the marketing thereof. Uh, we're going to have a great chat with her, Laura Vicker, for a little bit here. And we'll understand, hopefully at the end of this, how great an organization all over again, as I've been saying for so long, uh, Dance Alive National Ballet is. Of course, we are uh, protected in, uh, 24-7 by our great sponsors, Crime Prevention and the Melbourne Law Studio helps us also. Uh, they won't back down. They're the official law firm, only official law firm partner of the University of Florida. So we have, I've been saying for a long time, I've got the best kept secret in this community when it comes to the arts and particularly dance. And it's Dance Alive National Ballet. And over the years, you have uh, helped me out, uh, witnessed and talked to and gotten to know a lot of the dancers in Dance Alive National Ballet. And some of the dancers are here consistently for years and some rotate in and out for various reasons. They go to other ballets or they get older actually and retire if you can believe it. It's very rare that that happens though because dancers are some of the best conditioned athletes, artists, hyphen, that you'll ever meet. And we have one, for example, one of our principal dancers who is now dancing well age 50. And I have also met a dancer from China who dances occasionally with Dance Alive National Ballet who's in his 60s. And just the flexibility of that age, believe me, I am sensitive to, and I understand that that in itself is an accomplishment. Laura's with us today. She is brand new to Dance Alive National Ballet. It's one of the great moves we've made. As you know, I'm on the board, and we've been looking for a way to really professionally begin to market Dance Alive National Ballet. As we've grown as an organization and become much more professional in all aspects of its uh, presentation to the community. So, Laura, mm -hmm. you are, I think, one of our latest additions to Dance yeah. Live National Ballet. Uh, she's a refreshing person. I can tell right away she knows what she's doing. So let's get to know you a little bit, Laura. Where are you from? What are you doing? And glad to have you. Absolutely. Well, I'm one of those people who has been in Gainesville since I went to school here. So I came here for school. And then I haven't left. Gainesville hooked me in, and I and I love the place. And so um, after school, I started working at the University of Florida. I worked both at the Levin College of Law, and I worked at the Warrington College of Business. Um, and I worked at Warrington for six, seven years, and I was the social media manager there, um, which is an exciting and challenging role at times, but very exciting having to stay on top of all the latest trends and getting on TikTok and things like wow, that, that you're wow. just... you're the first person I've met who probably could go around among all those entities right, quite comfortable. Right? Well, I was the more the strategist behind a lot of it. I'm not as much the technical with some things, so I would often have like students and people to tell me, okay, hey, here's the latest TikTok trend. We need to do this. And I said, are you sure? 
And I looked at it and said, okay, hey, is this, is this going to match well with our voice and our brand and who we are? I said, yeah, all right, let's do it. And so then we got on TikTok and would do different TikToks. And some of those did really well with thousands, tens of thousands of views. And it was just really fascinating um, to, to be on that platform. It's a strange platform, but I mean, it's, it's where people are. You know, TikTok is a foreign entity to me, and some say it is actually a foreign entity that is run by China, and it's infiltrating the minds of our youth and all that. I don't know if we need to go there, but it's just one more thing of how international the world has become, mm-hmm. interconnected all over the place, because mm-hmm. I think people all over the world see TikTok. You know? Yeah, and trends that people are doing globally, things like that. That's amazing. It, yeah. It's just amazing, you know. To harken back for a moment, uh, Laura, to my mother, who lived to be 107 and a half. Wow. And the world, you imagine the changes she saw in her lifetime. She was born three months after the Titanic sank. And uh, one day I had uh, my phone in my hand. And uh, this was when she was about 100 or 101 or two in there. And uh, she said, what do you have there? And I said, uh, I have this phone. It's got the internet and everything. And in her way, she could cut to the chase. She said, "Why well, you have the whole world in your hands. I and know. that's the doggone truth. I mean, you've got the whole world in your hands. So here you are. They've actually created a position in the college there for you to monitor all this stuff, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Social media manager. And like, there weren't very many at UF I'll dedicated social I'll media managers. Yeah. And so it was really neat. Um but to transition then, I, I left Warrington last fall. I wanted to focus some more on a book that I'm writing. Um, I like to write. And so that was something I was doing until this spring when I got contacted by a coworker who said his wife had somebody who was asking him about a potential job. So it was like three or four degrees of connection. <laughs> and I was going, okay, well, let me at least like look into this and follow up on it. And so I had a conversation with Tara Blythe, who's with Infotech, and she was helping Dance Alive National Ballet. I think she was on Dancing with the Stars. Probably was. Probably um, was. And she, she talked with me, and then she set up a meeting with me and Kim. A dynamic personality. Once you met Kim, it was all over, I'm sure. Yeah. No, it was just really interesting to hear from her, hear her passion and just how much she cares about Dance Alive. I mean, I know it's been most of her life. And and how much that she's put into this company. Um, And yeah, so it was just really interesting talking with her. And I think for me, I've always been somewhat interested in working with a nonprofit. And I like the idea of being able to help a smaller organization. So I mean, it was great to be at UF. But it's a big, big place. And they're going to find people, you know, they're going to find new people to fill roles and stuff like that. But something like Dance Alive, you can really see the impact, I think, a lot more. Like one person mm-hmm. can make, well, a, make big a big difference. difference. Um, and so I think there's that. And then I also have a very, very small background with dance. I never <laughs> did ballet, never did ballet. But I did have a friend who went um, to the, the School of Dance here at UF. She's now in California. And then I also, interestingly enough, met my husband through dance. Um, well, that, that's not you. My mother met my father through dance. Eh. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, why not? Yeah. yeah. It's from the sock hawk on up, right? Yeah, it was great. No, it was a Halloween dance. We met. There's this swing dancing, all of that. It was great. There's so, so many forms of dancing. I remember yeah. one time when I went up into the Swanee River Folk Jam or whatever it was called, back in the woods. And we clogged. And clogging is so much fun. I mean, it is really a lot of fun. 
I've never done it. Oh my God, is it fun. And so there's that version, there's all sorts of versions of the stuff, but and back in my day, as I alluded to in dating myself, there was things known as sock hops. And I think it was probably a conspiracy by the teachers uh, to keep the kids' shoes from messing up the gym floor. <laughs> Smart. Smart. So they Smart. call it a sock hop, and you could dance on the gym floor in your socks, but you couldn't, of course, in your shoes. So there was invented by some real smart person something called the sock hop, and it was a big it was a big deal, you know. Smart. <laughs> so you found your way through three different people to, to dance. Yeah, it was yeah, it was my coworker, his wife, and then Tara Blythe, and then met Kim. So yeah, by degrees of connection, and that's something that I think I've noticed about Dance Alive and Gainesville that I think is really fascinating is just the power of community and connection. Um, it's huge. And Everybody Gainesville... sort of eventually knows everybody if you're here long enough. That's what I hear. You may not hang out with all those people, but they know of each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I hear. And it was interesting because when I, before I even started with Dance Alive, I was researching on their website, as one does before an interview, you know, okay, who are the, the people here? And I looked at the board of trustees. Of course, I saw you there. And I then I saw somebody um, whose name I recognized and face I recognized. I said, hey, she goes to my Bible study at church. I said, I know Melanie Leonard. And yeah, so I went, yeah, yeah. huh. Who was it? One time an airline stewardess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like... Well, they had airline stewardesses. I mean, real airline stewardesses. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, it was with Eastern. I believe it was. I'm not yeah, sure. I'm, I'm not anyway. sure. But I yeah. those days. Anyway, I, harkened, I had, a, I had a, a flashback there. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I met her. And then fast forward a little bit later on, I was on the website. This is when I had started with Dance Alive. And I was editing the dancers page or doing something like that. And on the corps de ballet, I saw a name I recognized also for my church. I went, wow, there's like connections to Dance Alive all over the place. And if you, like you said, if you're around long enough, you'll find them. And people who know Dance Alive love Dance Alive is, is what I've been finding. And that's, I think, an exciting thing as a marketer to say, okay, like there's, there's really something here, you know, and that makes it just the story all the more compelling. Well, you know, I've always uh, sort of halfway joked, but it's not a joke, really. Mm -hmm. The best kept secret in Gainesville. Well, that's what I, I've been hearing. And, and the reason I say that is because it's in the shadow of the university. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people assume, well, it's just a part. It is the university. It's not the university. It is a privately owned uh, Dance Alive company, driven and sustained by the passion of two women, sisters, who are fervent believers in the power of the arts and in particular dance. Um, and the amazing thing about Kim, and I hearken, I put her in the category of the great talent scouts of various disciplines. You know, mm -hmm. they exist in music. For example, Motown sound is a result of one guy who knew what he heard when he heard it and knew he could promote it. Uh, in tennis, it's uh, generally thought of Nick Boletari and his camp. You could take a look and see if you could be a champion, even when you were a little kid. And Kim's the same way. Kim is, I've heard her talk about well, how come we knew him? I've just sort of picked a rain. How come this is, oh, I saw in him or her. And it's, sometimes it's just posture. Mm -hmm. it, you know, posture is a big thing, by the way. But it's the way you carry yourself as to whether or not you're balanced and you're able to. Because balancing is what basically ballet is about, I think. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, that Kim's ability to be able to spot talent, you're right, is is amazing. And, and just then how much she and 
her sister Judy Skinner care about their dancers. It's just so evident in the way they take them to doctor's appointments and make them food and all these other little oh. things that I've noticed, just their care. They're not aloof. They're not just in the background. No, no, no they're, they're hands-on. They're very hands-on. Well, how do you find your job really is challenging in many ways to translate what we're saying verbally here into some sort of action plan or how do you do that? How do you distill this into something that is got measurable results? I don't know what else to say. Well, that's a, that's a great word for it is distill. So I did have to, when I first came on, I've, I've only been here about three months. I know. We're asking you to perform miracles. And <laughs> I had to do a lot of learning in the beginning because I don't know much about Dance Alive and what's going on. So I had to learn about what is Dance Alive currently doing with marketing? You know, what is the story of Dance Alive? What are we, what am I working with as a marketer? What is the story that I'm going to be telling? And so I had to do a lot of learning and developing then my, my strategic marketing plan um, and then making connections and meeting people and learning a lot, researching a lot, pulling the data because a lot of marketing is about data. So looking at the website analytics, you know, all of those things that sound kind of boring, but I geeked out when I was like, oh, website analytics, let's go. Like, let's yeah. see where people are interested um, in, in hearing more about Dance Live from and how are they getting to our website and all those things like that that I can geek out about. Um, but yeah, so then it's that a lot of that um, research data analyzation, things like that. And now we're into, into go phase in a sense, you know, where the season is here. It's upon us. Officially kicked off on, what was it? Monday. And, um, I was in the studio on Tuesday and the energy there is so cool. And not, not, not even all the dancers are back yet. So, or a few are still on their way. Um, and, but the energy it's it's there and we've got a lot of great things coming up this season. So, I mean, kicking kicking off the season is Meet the Dancers, and that's about two weeks out. Well, let's talk about Meet the Dancers yeah. for a moment. We have a big activity coming up here. It will be held uh, at the Cade Museum, correct? That's correct. And let's brief you on where that is. Of course, Cade Museum is named after someone who was a good friend of mine, by the way, Dr. Mm -hmm. Cade, who invented Gatorade. And, of course, the, um, the family has tried to find a way to actually help the community use some of the proceeds from this fantastic invention. And it's become the Cade Museum, which is a great place for innovation, technology, and uh, artistic uh, connections. It's really centered around that vision. And so September 9th, right? Let's yep. talk. You talk about that because you are the, you know more about it than I do. Yeah, let's go. So, yeah, as Ward said, it's September 9th. It's at the Cade Museum for Creativity and Invention. Um, it starts at 6.30 and goes until about 9.30. And this event is really cool. And when I was, and this is a little bit behind the scenes on the marketing side of it. So I'm talking to to one of our dancers about this mute, about this event, saying, "Okay, hey, Bia, how how should we talk about this? Like, why is this so different from other events and things like that?" And she said, "Well, one of the things that people say about it is that you really get an up close and personal." experience with the dancers and um, their performance is normally you're, you're sitting there, you're, you know, in the Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. Ways away from it. Yeah, you've got some distance, you're there and it's great and you can see it and it's fantastic. But this is a very intimate setting where you're there, the dancers are right there, you get to see them and you get to meet them and it's just a great experience. So that was one thing that I really want to make sure people know about. Um, but it's, it's also just going to be a fun time. Like, there's great food, I hear. There's um, going to be dancing, 
um, Elio Piedra, who's big in this community. He's going to be DJing and all of that. So there's going to be dancing. It's going to be fun. And then there's also a live auction. Um, and again, like all of that's going to go to benefit Dance Alive. And so it's just going to be a really fun event. But it's a great way to then also support your local professional um, ballet. And it's local, but it's it's makes such an impact in, in the area. And it tours and its impact goes far beyond Gainesville in Florida. You can actually buy a table there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you can buy a ticket. You can buy a table. There's different ways to do that. And you can go and get your ticket on dancealive.org. Um, and yeah, tickets are still available. So encourage you, if you haven't gotten your ticket, go and do that now. Go to www.dancealive.org. Um, and yeah, you can either buy two tickets, one for you and your friend or significant other or whoever, or you can bring a whole crowd and just have a good time and be there. Um, How much are the tickets? I believe there are... 85. 85, and that goes for the food, and it goes for the entertainment. Mm -hmm. it goes for food, entertainment. It's a, a, a three-hour event. goes until about 9.30. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so it's food, it's entertainment, it's dancing, it's getting to meet these dancers, it's being there um, in that intimate setting. And, yeah, it's just going to be a great, great time. K-Museum is on uh, Depot in South Maine, basically, if you haven't been there, and that's where the place will um, be uh, uh, event be occurring, and it's going to be a, a chance to really and it, dancers they're from all over the world. That's one of the interesting things about it. And unfortunately, sometimes there is an issue that we don't have in our dance alive ballet organization. But ballet is an international activity, and right now one of the big stories, and I want to just allude to this for a moment, mm -hmm. is what occurred on 60 Minutes the other night when. They had an in-depth look at the problem for the uh, for Ukraine dancers uh, uh, and Russian dancers, and the Russian dancers have defected from Russia because of the interference in politically with Ukraine. I have found that the dancers are about dancing. That's what they're about, and that's what they want to do. Uh, they're not involved in political statements. They, that's not anything that they're interested in. They want to dance. They want to dance with the best group of dancers directed by the best choreographers and things. They truly are, in that sense, been my experience. And Laura, you may discover this, you may already have discovered it. They're purists in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, they come from all over the world and, and they, they mix quite nicely. They don't care about, you know, if you're from China, you can dance, you're with us, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Great respect for the gentleman from yeah. China who is now, I think, probably 66, 67 years old. Yeah, that... I love how dance is like the, the first and foremost priority with all of this. And even what I've seen at Dance Alive too is sitting in on board meetings and you have people from all walks of life, all ends of the political spectrum, all of that. But their mission is supporting Dance Alive National Ballet. And that's just a really cool thing to see and to hear and just to, to watch play out. Um, but before we get too much farther. I did want to say for Meet the Dancers, there is also, if you live in the Ocala area, we have a Meet the yeah, Dancers in Ocala. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so it's September 16th. It's one week after Meet the Dancers in Gainesville, and it's at the Noma Black Box at the Riley Arts Center. So Riley Arts Center um, has gone through some recent renovations, and it's a beautiful space, and so we'll be in the Black Box there. It's going to be a little bit of a different program, still going to have that up-close personal experience with the dancers and performance. It's going to be a little shorter, um, and it's a great way to bring bring your kids, bring your um, 
bring your friends, bring whoever, um, and enjoy that time in Ocala. And so that's also going to be a great event. That way that people don't have to travel. And we've got, we have people in Ocala who really do care about it. And a lot of our dancers are from Ocala. Well, and we, we really uh, spent some time researching this on the board, did a little background on it. Mm -hmm. And I was a big advocate for this. Um, uh, Ocala uh, doesn't have any dance organization. Right. Let's go make some uh, efforts to get to know them. And it's been quite successful. They've been tremendously supportive. Um, you know, one of the good things, just to put it frankly for us, is we're not in competition with the University of Florida in Ocala. We are the deal. We're the marquee thing. Mm -hmm. And here, you know, there are a lot of the things that go on in a university town like this. You have the sports and you have the Phillips and all these things that people... Mm -hmm. Of course. Now, one of the things, though, that feeds and keeps the ballet consistent are parents sending their children to dance to learn the discipline of dance, not so much that they'll ever become, quote-unquote, ballet dancers or ballerinas, but the discipline and the interaction with others. Uh, many, many parents in the community consider to be enormously beneficial for the rearing of their children. And that has been a, a wellspring for us of support because they don't go away. And they come back and they were once upon a time kids in the thing and then they want their kids in the thing. And so that's one of the, that's one of the great uh, event, you know, community that we have to draw from. Absolutely. And that's something that I keep noticing is people saying, oh yeah, my daughter, you know, took classes with Kim or my son took classes with Judy or whatever. You keep hearing that same thing again and again. You're going, wow, everybody knows these two women. That's <laughs> sort of true, yeah. I mean, I'll talk with Kim, and I remember the first time I talked with her, I had to kind of keep smiling and nodding because she kept throwing out names. I'm like, oh, who is that? Who is that? And I'm, occasionally I would ask and say, now, who is that? But all the people that she knows in this community is absolutely incredible. Yeah, it is. It is. So you know, One of the things we're facing, and, and you, we've all talked about it on the board, of course, is these ladies will retire someday. And that's why we're trying to get marketing directors exactly. and get battle plans, if you will, for, for you know, advancing mm -hmm. the, the whole uh, activity and protecting it. Because, you know, there's so much sweat equity and passion that cannot be paid for when you hire somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, that's going to be the challenge, you know. Mm -hmm. um, there's so much that's just done for the love, you know, from sewing the costumes to, as you say, knowing everybody and calling up this person or suggesting that person that you just can't buy. No. You know? No. You just can't buy. And, you know, I, I, read, I read something the other day. It's really stuck with me. It's an African proverb that, and I'm, it, it's going it, it, it has the word man. It could be women, too. But when an old man dies, a library burns. And, you know, what yeah. we're talking about is it takes a long time to become connected. You know, mm -hmm. in the depth and the variety of ways that we're talking about these two ladies are connected in. And the elders in the community, uh, you know, in the, in the tribal organizations, they're always revered. You know, mm -hmm. they are the ones that, and many of the tribal organizations don't have uh, written uh, a storage of their information. So it's oral. And they mm -hmm. learn from these older guys and women and men. So, um uh, um, yeah. Somehow, Laura, we're going to have to prepare for that and figure out a way to, to really frame how to sell that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, to get somebody who, I mean, I'm not sure it will be possible to match Kim and Judy's level of passion for Dance Alive. 
but we need to get as close as we possibly can, you know, because yeah, you're right. What they know and more than what they know, what they feel and what, how much they care about this company is, is incredible. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a cool thing to be a part of. That kind of magic touch. We're in the Spurrier podcast studio and Steve is a longtime friend. And as long as I've known him, he's always had that ability to, to kind of get rally people around him who believe in him. And then as a coach, he was able to analyze, you know, what he needed and how to use it effectively. Mm-hmm. And well, I know with Steve, it's just a gift. I know with, with Kim, it's a gift. I mean, it's just something they're able to do. They recognize. And I think it all comes down to teaching. Um, uh, because that's what it is, as, 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 a, as a, you're teaching dance and mm-hmm. um, you're teaching discipline, you're teaching fundamentally all the same things all the time, just in different ways. Mm-hmm. So there are people out there who have it. I mean, we can, if we look long, we'll find them, oh, you yeah. know? Yep. And often you find them in-house. I mean, um, you know, Steve is homegrown. He came through the system here mm-hmm. and stayed and, you know, what it's produced. And so... I think working in the in the dance world of Pope Fall Studios may be the next Kim. I don't know how else to say it. Don't you? I mean, I'm yeah, yeah. No, yeah, know. because that's that kind of person who's who is intimately involved with Pope Fall and Dance Alive and actually really understands it and has that deep love for it. Yeah. So yeah, and the not a bad idea. Memory, institutional memory, right? And, and, and uh, ability to. Uh, so yeah, I knew your daughter, or this or that kind of thing. It goes exactly. Dr. Exactly. Laura Vickery, who has really taken this to another level, Dance Alive. We've got a professional now, marketing director, and she's certainly got an interesting background, mm-hmm. having been trained in a way on something that's a total mystery to me: TikTok and all those various kinds of internet platforms. What you have to have the ability to move around on quite comfortably now, because mm-hmm. they're there. Yeah, I'm always amused by the people who proudly say, well, I'm not on Facebook. You know, well, millions of other people are. Yeah. You know? If you don't want to be on Facebook, yeah, that's up to you. On, but if you but want lots to of people. Yourself, yeah. 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 You need to be. You got to be there. Yeah. You yeah. need to be where the people are. And that's the thing is, and that's one of the cool things I'm finding is we have fans of all ages on our different platforms, you know, and in, in that backseat behind the scenes, looking at the audience numbers and stuff like that. I mean, we've got people of all ages. It's not like, oh, it's only the the young people on Facebook or only the old people on Facebook. It's like, no, it's, it no, spans, no, it's just... da- and dance spans generations. Yeah. And there are people who are young who care about it. And there are people who are older who care about it. And it's just really cool to see um, that love. Let's revisit one thing. Maybe you said it, maybe yeah. I missed it. Um... When you went to college, you didn't necessarily major in studying data, right? No. How did that happen? That's true. Well, so I studied public relations. Okay. And public relations, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd. I'm a bit of an academic. And I really enjoyed public relations because I felt like it taught me how to think strategically. It taught me how to look at the research and figure out what the problem is, identify my goals, and then move forward. And that's something that I feel like is just invaluable. So whether you major in marketing or public relations, they have a similar approach. They'll say like public relations will say, oh, marketing's a, a like a little brother or cousin of public relations and marketing will say, oh, public relations is a little sibling of marketing. They all, they kind of say they're connected. But um, so that I think gave me that foundation in school and then moving forward 
in my role as social media manager at the Warrington College of Business, I got to start getting that hands-on experience in terms of, okay, let's look at, you know, look at what the numbers are saying about the content we're producing. So I can look at Instagram and I can say, this piece of content might seem weird to a, an administrator, to a dean. Well, is, is this really valuable? But I can say, no, this has been shared a hundred times and all of these people love this and the students are really resonating with this piece of content. And um, so the, the power of data to inform decisions and decision-making is really valuable. I mean, I'll give you one example of this, is in looking at ticket data for last year, that kind of helped me make some decisions and things like that. And what I found is I looked at the Halloween performance we did last year, which I believe was Phantom of the Opera, and we had a lot of U.S. students go to it. And so I don't want people to say that, you know, oh, students, U.S. students are too busy. They're not going to go to any dance live performances. It's like, no, like, they went. They went. They want to go. UF students and Santa Fe students, they love spooky season, you know? And so that, I think that that um, data can really inform decisions. And so that's something that I think I really did learn at Warrington um, and I'm trying to carry with me here at Dance Alive. Well, I've learned, of course, from uh, the, 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 uh, my good friend who put all this together. Yeah. Total data. You know, it's all about the data. And then you take a look at the data and then you shape a response to the data. Mm -hmm. You don't make something and then make the data go adapt to it. Yeah. You adapt it to the data. Yeah. I think I've learned that anyway. Yeah. And and um, so then the question is, how do you broaden the, 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 uh, the data flow? You know, if you're just mm -hmm. getting data from a very narrow experience, mm -hmm. that may not be mm -hmm. the total picture. So over here, something you haven't looked at the data in yet. Over mm -hmm, here, mm -hmm. how, did, how do you broaden out the spectrum of input? Yeah, well, you have to see where your data sources are, right? So you have to see, okay, what can I get from the Phillips Center? What can I maybe get from the Riley Center as far as ticketing data goes? What can I look at on our website? What can I look at on our social media platforms? And so you have to get as many data inputs as possible so that way you're collecting more. And then also look look outside, right? See what are the general trends in um, in marketing and communications and things like that. And so I think all of those are important things to look at. And then just keep learning, you know? Like you're not – and that's the thing about marketing and communications and data is you constantly iterate. You're not going to always nail it on the first try. You're going to keep learning. You're going to say, okay, we tried this. Now we're going to look at data and now we're going to try – Again, and we're going to change and shift and all of that. And so it's about being adaptable, too. So well, we've been talking to Laura Vickery, who has um, really just joined us. And I think you can see the energy and intellect and passion she's bringing to our commitment to help Dance Alive National Ballet um, exist in perpetuity, if you will, beyond our lives, you know, quite a while. You know, the ballet is an ancient uh, art form, and we're a young country. That's one of the things I've learned. There are dancers that we have dancing with us who have danced in buildings in Moscow and other European countries um, that are twice as old as our country. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Think about that. Twice That's as old incredible. as our country. And you say, well, no wonder ballet is still stretching its wings here because the country, it takes a long time to develop 
maturity of the arts. I mean, it really does. I mean, you have to have a mature culture. And we're just in we're young. we are really an infant country. Oh yeah. When you compare our country to countries, we're just an infant. Mm -hmm. And 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 uh, you, no time does it become more apparent for me anyway than it has over the history of interviewing people from a variety of uh, um, relationships with the with the organization, and it's come back to me that um, and you might this might help you the marketing or, 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 it's mm -hmm. one of the things you'll have to deal with. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, because the interests we have right now are in football and they're in basketball yeah. and. You know, you know, these things. Refined arts? Well, what do we do about that? You know, uh -huh. what do we do about that? And and it takes a while to do that. But we do have cultures that are susceptible to it. Ocala's one of them. Mm -hmm. And here's one of them. So mm -hmm. oh, we're out of time, really, with Laura. We could go on for a while. But uh, this is our Dance Alive National Ballet. Trying to do what I can do on the Ward Scott Files once a month to help promote and sustain your interest and knowledge about this fantastic organization. And we're going to probably put up some of these links later for how you can buy tickets to um, meet uh, the dancers at uh, September 9th at the Cade Museum. Mm -hmm. And that'll be a fun time. You can get um, a little more intimate um, audience. And you, know, you go to the theater and you're in your row and you're in your seat and you do have a little break, but that's about it. But here you really get to mix and mingle. Mm -hmm. So we're going to let uh, Laura go back to her productive life, which I know she is. She was here early. She beat me today. She found her way in by on her own. My, my, she could, um, she could fly on her own as a child. You know, my wife flew all over the world as a child. Wow. You couldn't do that today. Yeah. Her father just put her on the plane and away she'd go. Oh gosh. She'd go to London or she'd go to, you know, someplace else by herself. And, and you know, but when she was 14, 15 years old, getting on a plane and flying around. Yeah. You can't do that Woo. now. You can't do it. Yeah. You know? Is that not? Yeah. Man. And I remember interviewing Buse Bouget, uh, Buse, I forget, say her last name. She's from Turkey. And you never got a chance to meet her, but I interviewed her. Mm -hmm. She was 17 years old when she was dancing with us. Mm -hmm. And her interesting interview was that she was so talented that her great coaches in Europe, and she's from Turkey, but they'd sent her into. France and places like that to be fine-tuned, mm -hmm. said, you're ready to go out into the world. Mm -hmm. You're that good. You can go dance with anybody. But we're concerned about how young you are. Can you handle this? Mm -hmm. you know? And she said, yeah, I can handle that. And she convinced them to let her go. Mm -hmm. So she's traveling the world as a ballet dancer. I'm not sure exactly where her last stop is, but it's with a big outfit. She was with us for wow. quite a while. And very young, but enormously talented and that was the concern of her great coaches, and they were Europe, they were European coaches. And well, you're ready, physically and athletic mm -hmm. and all that. But are you? Can you handle it? Yeah, you that know, emotional, mental pressure. Yeah, yeah. She, 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 away she went. That's fantastic. And I think I've heard stories. She, of course, couldn't drive when she came here. So, you know, we drive her places. She was fascinated with the targets, you know, places like that that they don't have there. Yeah, she not seen so. There's a lot of things you pick up and better uh, young people. Well, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, absolutely. We're thanks for having up. me. Yeah, we're gonna, we'll link it and you can spread it and do whatever. Absolutely. You, do. you know how to do it better than I do. Not better than these guys do, but probably that's for sure better than I do. Uh, we'll be back in a moment after a short break and I'll give you the weather report, which is going to be soggy, I think, for the next few days if it's uh, really true. I found that the Farmer's Almanac is about as accurate as our 
the precise weather reports really? every day. Those guys had something going on. We're back on Ward Scott Files, so we'll take a break here. Thank you. Uh, we'll be right back. Take care. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com. And click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Let me get myself arranged here. We just had our guest in. Magnificent conversation here with uh, Laura Vickery, who is... Uh, the new marketing director for Dance Alive National Ballet. We want to take a little time with the weather here from our great uh, uh, sponsor, Lewis Oil. I got to tell you that everything looks like it's going to be a soggy week ahead. Uh, it might be a clear blue sky right now, but uh, where you are, but get prepared. It's going to be probably rumbling, rolling thunder here after a while. Uh, we had another huge electrical storm and rain deluge at um, uh, Windy Hill arm yesterday and no I did not do the naked rain dance. I have not done the naked rain dance in quite a while but something has, has, has uh, made the uh, heavens open up. So we're enjoying a little bit cooler day, probably 88 degrees high today, but we've got this drenching rain uh, coming across the southeast. Now it's affected Mississippi. It's going probably going to miss us, a bit, well the big part of it, 
slide up off towards the coast. And it's really been uh, a problem for places that have been water starved all of a sudden uh, coming out of a drought condition into an inundating uh, rain event has been tough for them to handle. <clears throat> so we will probably stay a little bit cooler, but we're going to stay a little bit wetter. And um, the humidity is very, very high, and um, you have to sort of take care of yourself. I suggest you um, um, uh, do something with uh, uh, your air conditioner to just at least keep the humidity coming out of the house. You don't necessarily have to set it that low, but you need to set it low enough to have it, I think. My humble experience is to keep the um, humidity from uh, really being a heavy influencer in what you've got going on around your house. So, uh, wetter week, uh, wetter for the foreseeable future, and um, a little bit cooler, but not a whole lot. But fortunately, we don't have a big storm yet out there brewing. Uh, we've been sort of, what I've read, it's one of the interesting things, we've made it through the month of August, of course, we've got a couple days left, uh, without a named storm yet in the Atlantic. And I suppose that's a, a something we don't usually, have, a situation we don't usually have. So uh, we'll see how long that lasts. <clears throat> well, we've got about a half an hour left of the show, and I think what I want to talk about is a phenomenon of what has been a school board revolt everywhere in Florida except Alachua County. And we talked about that with Ted Yoho yesterday, that um, we are the bluest of the blue here. And I've heard conversations already about what the implications are of that for the future of, of Springs County. Because if you take a look at the election results, uh, you have, once again, a city commission dominated by uh, Democrats. You have the school board dominated by Democrats um, and all that. Democrat implies nowadays, which implies, of course, the progressive Democrat and, and the woke uh, ideology, if you will. That's what is now associated with Democrat. So Republicans are rather ill-defined with the exception of their leader in this state, DeSantis, who has been across the state tremendously effective in um, changing school boards, with the exception of the one here. Um, let me just go through some of the things that we talked a little bit about yesterday with uh, Ted Yoho. Um, two big districts in the state of Florida uh, were flipped. Uh, 25 of the 30 school board members endorsed by Governor Ron DeSantis won or advanced in the ra races and they campaigned on parental rights, transparency, school choice and safety. Um, the GOP-backed candidates won three elections uh, in Sarasota County which is interesting, in Sarasota County, creating a new four-to-one majority. And they scored two big wins in Miami-Dade. Both school boards last year voted to mandate that students keep wearing masks, defying parents in Florida law. And what do you know, this year, well, that resulted in a flip, tremendous flip of school board members in Miami-Dade. And this is all being attributed to the influence of, uh, of Governor DeSantis uh, he's turning parental control and educational choice into uh, the kind of criteria for uh, the, the Republican Party in the state of Florida. And uh, he last year, he doesn't get much credit for this, expanded the state's voucher program. He added tens of thousands of additional low-income students. So um, all these Florida results are following. This is analysis done by the journal. Um, 
following parental revolts and school board elections from San Francisco to Texas. All across the country, there has a re a been a rejection of, of, of uh, this ideology being uh, imposed on uh, school curriculum without any input from parents who are resisting it. So it's resulted in, in the state of Florida, certainly a big change in school board composition, with the exception, of course, of uh, Alachua County, apparently. So um, the other thing which is um, kind of interesting that is going on um, is, is what happened in, in New York. Now, you may not, may have to remind you of this, but normally this time of the year, uh, several of us here from this community head off to the U.S. Open in New York City. And this year, we're not going. And we're not going because of the issues that I want to bring up with you that are in this analysis of, of New York by uh, Daniel Henniger. Um, Henniger is a bright, bright uh, columnist for the journal. He's one you want to pay attention to. He's open-minded. He has a um, very keen intelligence, and he's not afraid to say it like it is. And he's uh, particularly interested in uh, the, uh, what they call a limousine liberal uh, event between Jerry Nadler and Carol Maloney. And, of course, Fat Jerry, who's one of the leading hecklers of Trump, along with Adam Schiff, pencil neck Schiff, uh, uh, constant harassment of Trump. Uh, came out the victor in this. But how did it get to be uh, that uh, these two uh, started uh, running against each other? Uh, they're from Manhattan's uh, 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 12th Congressional District. And the way this happened was uh, it reveals a lot about the political realities of New York City. Now, for 30 years, Fat Jerry represented Manhattan's west side. Uh, which Henniger says a friend of his once likened to living in East Germany. Uh, I like this analysis of New York. I don't really know New York the way this analysis is going to describe it for you, but I do know uh, when I go to New York to the U.S. Open this year, the feeling was, let's stay away. It's not the same New York we've been going to. Um, and so we're not going. And, you know, we'll probably choose other cities. May go to Toronto next year. Uh, may go to Montreal, um, places like that, which don't have this onus about them, even though Canada is much more liberal than the United States, generally speaking. Uh, it's not as bad as New York City with its crime. The crime is what is driving people away. Um, the, uh, the Democrats tried to gerrymander the state's political map to uh, really rid itself of Republican congressional obligations uh, a delegation, a congressional delegation, but a judge tossed it out, and uh, when the court uh, redrew the uh, map, it uh, made a, a, a district where Nader and Maloney had to compete for the 12th district, and really it was Tweedledee and Tweedledum. It really didn't matter. Each was the same uh, entity, if you will, pushing pro-abortion credentials and uh, things of that nature. Um, and, of course, Trump being the impeachment tormentor. There was not much difference between them, but one of them had to go. Um, and and it was they can blame nobody else but their own party for putting them in the same district against each other because the, the judge rejected the way that 
the Democrat Party had drawn that district and redrew it, and lo and behold, these two wound up running against each other. Uh, Trump even made fun of it, of course, and you know, he never misses an opportunity to do so. He had a sham endorsement of Maloney and a mock praise for Nadler. He uh, said Jerry Nadler is a high energy, sharp, quick-witted, and bright, which of course, you know, probably Trump believes the opposite. And that Carolyn Maloney is the better man of the two. And that was, of course, um, one of Trump's great quips, as you know, to belittle and deride. And um, so um, that, you know, Henniger said could have caused a laugh in New York, except uh, New York is not very much given to humor right now. It's a far left, one party state, one party state, New York City. And the city has more than 8 million people in it, but that number is falling. And this is what's amazing. Almost no one in this New York, in New York City bothers to vote. The turnout Tuesday, are you ready for this? The turnout Tuesday in New York was about 8%. Now that's worse than the shining city on the hill here by the Lake of the Stupids, which was populated by the material, genetic material dumped out by the UFO in 1947 that resulted in our, our current uh, um, public officials in Gainesville. So the turnout here this time was a little better. I think I've heard if you can trust the supervisor elections and God knows if you can't, I have never seen so many screw ups come from one supervisor of elections office as I've seen coming from Kim Barton. <clears throat> you can attribute it to whatever you want to attribute it to. It's your business, but I'm going to tell you, the, you know, look, you've got representatives of her office going into the jail, people in the jail registering and then voting. We've exposed all that. You've got sex offenders voting who are not supposed to be voting ever. Supervisor election doesn't catch them, okay? Where do you want me to stop? And now we get what Keith Perry has called voter suppression by people standing in line for an hour to get a Republican ballot in High Springs, for example. And I talked to one young lady yesterday who just left, said, I don't have the time to vote. So she didn't get the vote. And she would have voted the Republican ticket she didn't get to vote because in High Springs, in her precinct where she would have gone, there were no Republican ballots. And she didn't have the time to wait around for an hour. You know, when the FDLE did a report on Supervisor of Elections Office, Kim Barton, it says in the report that the place is run pretty shabbily. Now, Kramer chooses not to find any criminal negligence on their part in their signing up of these people in the jail, ho-hum. But it's the FDLE who investigated the supervisor elections office for about eight months, if my memory serves me, and they come out with this, with a negative impression of that, out, of that department. So now, if you were trying to get the people to forget the screw-ups, you surely didn't do it. If you were the supervisor, you... Um, enhance their awareness of the screw-ups by voter suppression with no Republican ballots. And furthermore, as I understand it, uh, Tallahassee's looking into this. I don't know what that all means, but 
It must be worse in New York if only 8% of the residents of New York City bothered to vote Tuesday. Um, consequently, since the turnout was so low, Hanager says four Democratic Socialists in the city won their primary for the state's Senate. Um, the city is uh, a one-party rule, and it's fully in the grips of progressivism's uh, ideology. And I guess that's one of the reasons why we decided to stay away because of the crime. Uh, and, 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 and Hanager addresses that. Here is, for example, some, uh, uh, some, some crime that has gone unpunished in New York City. Uh, the uh, subway workers felt compelled to convene a press conference pleading with the Bronx, Bronx District Attorney to enforce a law that would ban uh, one of the subway attackers who just mauled some guy on the subway uh, from the subways for three years. And the injured worker's sister said she hopes the attacker gets the max. He won't. He'll get the progressive's minimum goal. And a video the next day from this subway attack near a restaurant caught another man being sucker punched by an individual that left this man who got sucker punched in a coma. Initially, the man who threw the punches was charged with attempted murder, but the Bronx prosecutors, all under the progressive ideology, downgraded the charge to misdemeanor assault and harassment. And are you ready for the clincher? The alleged perpetrator is now free without bail. You know, why did we not go to New York to the U.S. Open? Well, I am now realizing in writing from somebody who has looked more closely at it, why we didn't and why others haven't. August 13th, that's pretty recently, isn't it? A Gahanian taxi driver who chased five people fleeing their fair in Queens, are you ready for this, was beaten to death. He was the father of four. The crime was caught on video. And all the New Yorkers saw it on the evening news. It was so bad that at another press conference, the head of the taxi driver's union said, stop considering the rights of the criminals above the rights of the victims. How many times do you hear this? But it's not acted upon in New York City where only 8% of the people are voting. The city is in the grips of crime and progressive ideology. The members of the victims' families uh, are either, this is, this is one of the ironies, are either black or Hispanic. Huh? So what do you have to say about that? So right now, according to the analysis by Henninger, it is the cycle of crime and fear above the crime, about the crime and 
be emphasizing the rights of the criminals over the rights of the victims that is grinding this city down. And now the mayor of New York City is complaining about the busload of migrants that Texas Governor Greg Abbott is sending to New York. Uh, and New York claims all along to be a sanctuary city, so so be it. If you're a sanctuary city, here comes our uh, illegal immigrants out of Texas. Have at it. I can only tell you that what it looks like to me is uh, New York is going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. Um, you can take that and apply it to uh, any community, it seems to me, um, that is driven by progressive ideology. Uh, that it um, undercuts the justice system, undercuts the police, undercuts confidence people have in the stability and civilian, uh, civilized life of their own community. So I, uh, I suspect that uh, you can generally use that as kind of a, a rule of thumb, that where that is going on, uh, those issues will be prevalent not only in New York City, but um, San Francisco, Portland, Chicago, maybe even Gainesville, where it's pretty well believed now that there is a widespread gang crime wave in this community here by the Lake of the Students. Well, we appreciate you tuning in to War Scott Files today. I uh, appreciate you taking a look at uh, Laura Vickery, the new marketing director for Dance Alive National Ballet. We encourage you to uh, think about purchasing tickets for Meet the Dancers. It's a wonderful event at the K Museum and goes for a good cause and it's good food, good entertainment, nice people, all the above, and um, it's an enjoyable evening. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, I'll have our phone in, a line open, and uh, chat with you some more on the Word Scott Files. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.